The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Before we go into our episode today, I want to share something that I wish I knew about when I gave birth, and that is CBR, Cord Blood Registry. Have you guys heard of it? It pretty much will give any parents peace of mind as they are raising their little ones and even as they get older. Pretty much what cord blood is, is a leftover blood in the umbilical cord after birth. Cord tissues is a cord itself and it both contains powerful stem cells that could be used. Look, the biggest fear for any parent is that something could happen to their child early on or in the future, right? The incredible thing about cord blood stem cells is that it can already help treat over 80 conditions like certain cancers and sickle cells anemia. Plus there's research in progress for even more potential uses. Core tissue stem cells are also showing a lot of promises in regenerative medicine. Over 200 clinical trials have been initiated worldwide to potentially help treat conditions that can occur over a lifetime like brain injuries, cardiovascular disease, and autoimmune disorders like lupus. Look, none of us want these things to happen to our kids, but let's face it, we live in uncertain times and it's always best to prepare. The thing is, parents only get one chance to collect these newborn stem cells, and that is at birth. It is such a simple process and only takes a few minutes for the OB or midwife to do, and it's completely painless. These cells are genetically unique. Baby is 100% matched to their own stem cells, and full siblings have a 75% chance of being at least a partial match. The stem cells get cryogenically frozen, and they can be used for decades to come. CBR is a number one OB recommended family bank, and they are also the number one choice of expectant parents. Over 1 million parents have stored with CBR and is the most experienced stem cell bank and the leader in the industry. Visit cordblood.com and use code BUMO, B-U-M-O, for 60% off CBR's newborn stem cell bundle, which includes both cord blood and cord tissue banking. Harness the possibilities and visit cordblood.com today. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Today we have Sharnay Gordon of Here We Read, a diversity and inclusion expert. She helps parents find quality, diverse books and educational products for their little ones. Look, with all that is happening in the world, kids know what is going on. They are smart little creatures and they know more than what we think. And it is so important and vital to have these conversations with them. But the question is, how do I get started? What do I say to them? So Sharnay is here to share with us the importance of exposing children to race, culture, and diversity at a young age and how we can go about doing so. She also shares with us at what age is it okay to start having these conversations of racism with kids? She also shares with us some of her top books that she thinks that all kids need to have in their library, as well as for adults. With that said, here's our conversation. 
Hi, Charnay. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much, Christelle, for inviting me. I am super excited to be here today. Yes, thank you. I have been following you. I love what you stand for. And I think what you have to stand for is something that is very important for parents, um, especially with the new generation that we're raising up. So I'm really excited to to get to know a little bit more about you and your company and all that you do. So let's just get started. Let's dive right into it. You are a mother as well. Um, How old are your kids, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, my kids are seven and eight currently, and they are my pride and joy. Uh, I'm also a wife of 16 years, uh, and my husband and I, we just had the two kids. Awesome. And so did this kind of love for books and reading and obviously the importance of diversity and inclusion start from your own journey as a colored woman looking for things for your own children? Is that how it all started for you? That is how it all started for me. I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood. Um, I didn't go to a, I didn't go to predominantly like diverse schools per se. Um, There was some diversity there, but for the most part, it was like predominantly white schools um, that I, that I went to. And so a lot of the books that were in the school, a lot of books that I read as a child I didn't see myself being reflected back to me on the pages. And so I think when I was younger, I noticed it, but I really didn't see it as important as I did when I got older, right? Mm -hmm. I think when you're smaller, like you just look at books and you're just like, oh, you know, I, I think I was more so expecting to always see kids that didn't look like me in, in the in the pages of the books. Um, and I didn't really understand why, but I just thought that that was the way it was, right? And so it wasn't until I got to college that I really just became more aware of the books that I was reading and the books that were part of like our required reading for college. And so that's really kind of how I started my journey really like in college to just be more aware and I always knew that if I want, if I, I wanted to be a parent, but um, if and when I was blessed to be a parent, that I wanted my kids to have a different experience than I did through right. reading. Yeah, and that that brings up a good point. You know, I am Asian American, and I grew up in a predominantly all white neighborhood as well. And even up until high school, right at that age, you are kind of accepting at least for myself, like what was given to me as required reading, you don't really second guess it. You just think that it's part of the agenda. I just assume that none of them were Asian um, (laughs) at that point, just because that is what I saw. Right. And that became my normal. Right. Which is so interesting because now that we are in a time and place, uh, first of all, we are both parents. Now we're not in high school anymore. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But secondly, we are in a place in our society now where a lot of injustice has risen up and everyone is talking about it. And so everyone has become so aware at this point that why aren't there more stories being told in grade school, in middle school, in high school? How come these books are not part of required reading, right? And these are questions. I'm a 35-year-old woman and now I'm asking myself, wait, wait a minute. Like, how come I didn't learn about these these special days, right? Or these special holidays or right. these traditions? 
And again, it's because kids only know what you teach them and what you give them. And so I'm just really excited that, you know, even though this past year has been incredibly challenging for so many of us, I feel like the conversations are there now. And it has opened up a whole new kind of door for us to introduce to our children. So yeah, that's kind of like my tidbit on my own experience, not, you know, growing up also being in a kind of more all predominantly white neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And so for yourself, you know, in the past few months, we always have a new president, um, but in the past few months, yet alone weeks, we've seen our how divided our nation is in the mm. United States. So our differences should really unite us and not divide us. So I'm sure your seven and eight-year-old kids, they're a little older than my two-year-old and six-year-old, but even my six-year-old is already asking questions, right? How do you effectively communicate with your children about these current situation? Because obviously at two years old, maybe even three, you know, they don't really understand it. But at a certain point, even as a kid, they are aware, they know something is up. So how do you have a healthy conversation with your children about this? Yeah. So what, I mean, what I do, right. I don't have a, a script per se, right. And I can't tell you, Oh, say this. You want to say this at this time to your kids. I think you feed off of your kids. I like to know from my kids, what do they already know? What are they hearing from maybe their friends or, you know, some of our neighbors, perhaps, or kids at school, what do they already know, right, um, about certain things that just real world, real life issues, what do they already know? And I think, you know, that can just be like a a really simple thing. Like sometimes I'll be reading a, a magazine or a newspaper or looking at something online and I'll call them over like, hey, did you did you hear about this? Did you have a conversation about this at school? Um, like, for example, when the, ca- the, the Capitol insurrection happened, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I personally was watching it as it was kind of happening on TV and I happened to have it on and, and I really wasn't aware, like my kids were like, they had just come home from school because I think it was like around after they had just come home from school and I had the TV on and a, a friend called and told me that it was actually happening. So I turned it on I'm like, oh, what's happening? And I'm, you know, sitting there watching. Then I, you know, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I had to be mindful that my kids were like right there. And so I turned it off, right? Mm. Um, But when that was kind of happening, after I kind of had to take a step back and say, hey, you know, something really bad happened at our state capitol in Washington, D.C. And you might hear about this tomorrow at school. Maybe, right? Your teachers might bring it up. You might hear some of your friends talking about it. And really just at a very, on a level where they can really understand, I just kind of brief them on what was happening, you know, without putting out any sort of biases or, uh, you know, using certain labels to call people certain things. It's really like, just like, this is what's happening. You may hear about this at school tomorrow. And then when they came home from school, it's like, oh, and they did tell me, they, they said, oh, mommy, yeah, we heard about it at school. Like our teachers were talking about it. And I said, oh yeah, what did they say? So I wanted to, you know, I'm probing them to see 
what their teachers had already told them mm-hmm. so that I know how to respond. I see. You know, I you know see. what I mean? Um, because you don't want to just come out and, and say like everything, especially the way that you would talk to another adult, right? right. You want to make it very kid appropriate. Like, hey, this is what's going on, you know, and then get their thoughts about it. Um, do you think that's fair? Like ask questions like that. Do you think that's fair? How would you handle this situation, you know, if you were the president or the vice president? Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's really just probing to see what they know without telling them too much information. That's that's kind of how I approach. I also find it very interesting that you mentioned that right when you heard your kids come into the room, the living room, that you turned off the news. Is that something that you try to do um, intentionally when your kids are around? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it depends on what it is, right? But for something like that, absolutely. Because for me, like I still, I want them to be informed, but I think they're just, you just have to draw the line somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and granted, maybe they might hear their friends talking about it or they might see it, you know, on their their iPad or something like that. And, it, and then if they do, then they, you know, come to me and talk to me about it. Let's have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. But I am not going to be the one to sit there and let my kids consume this, you know, to see adults acting the way that they were. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's healthy, right? Right. So I just turn the TV off. That's great. And it all starts at home and, you know, whether it be controlling the type of media that they intake or to the books that they read. Let's kind of go into books now, which is your specialty Why does diverse books matter for everyone? And and this is not just for people of color, right? So why does it matter for everybody to have for their children? Yeah, I think we all need to see everybody represented in books. It's something that is still a struggle in the publishing industry today. We've come a long way, but it's still a struggle. Most of the books that are published are uh, about white, cisgender children, or animals, right? Uh, Predominantly, probably animals. When you look at some of these surveys that come out, um, and I have nothing against animals, but I would rather read with my kids books that feature children. Whether they look like my kids or not is not always the important thing, but I want them to to see just other children reflected, children of different cultures, children of different religions, children experiencing everyday things like in life, how to ride a bike, how to tie their shoes, you know, a kid who is being made fun of or being bullied, a kid experiencing just joy, right? Um, There's all types of different things that you can uh, read with kids. And I just think it's just, it's, it's important to expose kids to a wide variety of different topics in in books. I mean, I love that you talk about the importance of showcasing books that feature kids being everyday kids, you know, from self-acceptance to self-love and empowerment. We all know this is important, but why do you prefer... Because I agree with you, there, there are a lot of wonderful books. I mean... I can't even imagine, I can't even count the number of books about unicorns in my daughter's 
my daughter's bookcase. But why is it so important to show real kids doing real things versus only this mystical fantasy kind of idea of a storybook, right? Yeah, it's preparing them for real life, right? I mean, fantasy books are great. Like, and, and I have nothing against them. I love unicorns, by the way. And my, my daughter loves unicorns too, but she's not just going to read unicorn books. We don't want to present this false reality of real life and just have her reading and believing about this mystical world. I think mystical worlds are great. It's a, it's a great escape, right? From, from real life, which is great. But if that's all that your child is reading, um, for me, that's not what I want for my kids. I want them to read books where they, they see themselves reflected and then ones that they don't. I want them to understand and to be able to appreciate people of all inclusive backgrounds, right? Um, this, is, this is the goal, I think. For, and, and I don't know if we can get there. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but it's a struggle. And we've been struggling for so many years um, to get to that point. But I think it's also important for people to know, kids and adults, to see people other than white people being the hero of a story, doing different jobs, having different careers than you know, the stereotypical, um, you know, athlete or uh, a janitor or, you know, any sort of essential worker kind of position. Like we are more than, than just that. And so I think the more that kids can, can kind of see that messaging coming across in books, the better, right? Um, and not, again, not just for children of color. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we all kind of have our own stereotypes of things, right? And that starts at home. That all starts at a very young age. And it's really what the parents are kind of, whether it's consciously or unconsciously feeding their kids, right? And I'm guilty of this as well. And it's something that we all have to collectively work on together. So seeing more people of color in leadership positions, seeing more people of color at executive levels, even like portrayed in kids' books, I think all these little things will break these stereotypes as they get older. Do you have any books that you highly recommend that you absolutely love that are like your go-to for your children? Oh, that is always such a hard question. But I did write down a few. These are ones that I'm excited about. Um, some of them are coming out this year. And I get really excited whenever I see like new books that are coming out that really kind of speak to me. So there's one called Hear My Voice, The Testimonies of Children Detained at the Southern Border of the United States. That one is coming out in April. And when I saw the cover, it literally brought tears to my eyes. This is about, you know, the kids that that were being um, detained at the border. And I just think that is going to be such a powerful book. I haven't read it yet, right? So I I can't, like, say it's a great book or not. But just looking at the cover, looking at the synopsis and what the book is about. I'm just really excited to read that one. 
I is for immigrants. And that's another one that I'm excited about. Uh, that one is by Selena Alco. Oh, and the, the one Hear My Voice is by Warren Binford. So I is for immigrants. That one is by Selena Alco. And that one is going to come out in June of this year. But another one, you know, just great. It looks great from the cover. The synopsis sounds amazing. And um, just a great book to highlight, I think, about immigration. Mm. And, you know, another important topic. And then the other one that I'm excited about is called America, My Love, America, My Heart by Daria Peoples-Riley. And I don't have the publication date for that. I, I want to say it might be May or June. I just, I just didn't write it down. Um, okay, awesome. But, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to get my hands on all of those. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's... These- there's there's more too. I mean, there's just so many, like I can't, uh, you know, I, I, every year, like I, I produce a list of all of the upcoming books for the year. Um, so I just kind of picked those three off of the list. Okay. Awesome. And, you know, it's a conversation that we should all be having with our children, which is racism. Um, you know, it presented itself. I mean, it's always been around, but this year more than ever, it is something that we just couldn't hide from, right? Um, We've had to figure out how to have these type of conversations with our children. Do you have any tips for parents, whether they be for colored or non-colored parents? Like how do you have these type of conversations and how do you go about it with young children? That's always so interesting. I, you know, kids are very smart and they're very wise beyond, you know, what we kind of think. Um, and I think a lot of times parents are like, oh no, I can't, I can't, my kid is only two. I can't talk to them about racism. Um, I can't talk to them about, you know, um, any of these sort of topics that people, that us adults think like might be too much for kids. But, you know, I, I believe that it's never too early to start talking about racism. Obviously, you're not going to have this conversation with like a six-month-old baby or a <laughs> one-year-old. You know, they're not going to understand what you're saying. But I think, you know, two is a, I think two is a good age to just start talking about, you know, skin tones and, you know, different hair types. You know, if you want to do this and if, if it's something that you believe, buy your kids a variety of different dolls per, per se, right? Um, a different types of toys. They have all of these amazing stick toys and blocks and uh, they're not really people. Well, I guess some of them are like people, but they're like block figures uh, that come in like these beautiful different skin tones, right? Um, And just start having the conversation like in this house, this is what we believe. We believe that all people should be treated equal. You know, we wanna treat people with kindness and we wanna treat people fairly. How do you feel if when someone takes a toy away from you? This is just mm-hmm. an example, right? Do you think it's fair when someone snatches something away from you that you were playing with? Do you believe it's fair to treat people one way and, and other people a certain way just based on the way that they look? You know, these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, at a young age, I, I have to agree with you. They notice more than what we think that they could, you know, notice or even take in. You know, just kind of a, a quick story. My 
my daughter, Chloe, she's a six-year-old. She has um, beautiful, like, tan skin. And in Asian culture, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in Asian culture, Asians, uh, at least in Korea, they really pride themselves on, like, rice porcelain white skin, right? Yes, absolutely. and so when I had my second daughter, my, my old daughter was always like a little bit more California baby with the golden like tan glow. And then my second daughter, uh, Colette, she, she is porcelain white, her skin. Mm-hmm. And so my parents, right, my parents and Alan's parents, my husband's parents, because they are from that generation, they would always, always just say how beautiful Colette's mm. skin like white skin was. And I had to check them. I had mm-hmm. to, cause my oldest daughter started saying some horrible things about her own skin color. And I'm like, right. and we've never said anything to her, but she's hearing what other people are saying about other people's skin tone. Mm-hmm. And so that is when we had to check our parents and say, Hey, look, like we understand that right. is the conversation <laughs> that you grew up with, but in this household, you guys cannot say that any longer here because it is affecting our kids, right? Yeah. And so just kind of going back to the point that you brought up is that at an early age, even though they might not understand the fundamentals of racism, they already start developing these biases that we have to break at an early age. Um, whether, Whether it be through culture or, you know, parenting. And so that's just an example of something that I've had to deal with in the past few Uh, months with my daughter and like we intentionally went out and bought lots of different dolls of different skin color and like treating them equally and so as you were mentioning it's just like those little little gestures that you do that really make the big difference and kids learn from play as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I have to agree with everything that you're saying about you know just playing with dolls like that makes a big difference yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it totally does. Um, but they pick up on so much, so um, much <laughs> that, that, you know, you sometimes you're not even aware like, Oh, wow. They heard that. Or they, they heard when I said that, right. Or, yeah. um, they saw when I did that. Um, but they're always watching us. They're always watching us. So we have to model what we want to see in our children. Yeah, absolutely. And we could always like preach to them what we think they should do. But at the end of the day, they're just going to model what we do and what we say. So I think, again, just bringing it back home to even ourselves as adults as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Are there any good books for adults now that could actually get into um, that could diversify their their library? Yeah, the one that I usually recommend, and this one was uh, Oprah's book club pick, right, a few months ago, Cast mm-hmm. by Isabel Wilkerson. That is an amazing book that I think everyone should read. It really kind of breaks down um, this whole caste system and, um, and racism in a way that um, I've never seen done before in, a, in another book, but that is an amazing book. I also recommend Stamped by Jason Reynolds and uh, 
Ibram X, Ibram X Kendi. Um, another good one is uh, why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? Hmm. That one is by Beverly Daniel Tatum. And then, um, of course, Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad um, or Sad. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name, but it, her last name is S-A-A-D. Okay, wonderful. I mean, these all sound very, very interesting. Um, so thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. Um, what is, just to like wrap up our conversation, what is one good tip that you can give parents that are looking to kind of have these conversations with kids? Um, is there one thing that you could advise them on? Absolutely. I always say that it all starts with you. It all starts with us, the parents. If you want to start having these types of conversations with kids, first you have to do that inner work yourself. You know, I get messages all the time from uh, predominantly white women saying that they have so many prejudices and so many biases against especially black men of color, mm. that no amount of love and no amount of just being an open-minded person is going to help them, mm. right? And so you have to kind of ask yourself, well, why? Why do, you, why do you feel that way? And really do a deep dive on your feelings and taking a, taking a look in the mirror and really understanding why you have these certain biases. You know, um, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy, but the work starts with you. You cannot go to your children to start having these conversations until you fully believe with your whole heart that yes, I believe people should be treated equally no matter what, right? Take away politics, take away, you know, race, take away it all. At the end of the day, is this what you believe? And if the answer is yes, and if you've done that inner work on yourself, then I think you're prepared to now and go and have these conversations with your children. I love that. Right? So really because work on yourself. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be projecting your biases onto them. And you're going to, you're just going to be talking about things from your perspective, what you believe, how you grew up thinking. And yeah, maybe you might in your heart, maybe think you have changed or you, you want to make a change, but you don't really fully believe it. Mm. You don't really fully believe it because you haven't done the work. Right. You know, because especially if you are a parent who has older children, your kids already have their own biases. They already, they already know the world. They've, they, they hear things from their friends. They hear things um, from their uh, teachers. And so they've already had their own set of, of biases and how they believe that the world works. And the fact that now you want to now come, if you have a 14 or 15 year old kid and you want to sit down and say, oh, hey, let's talk about racism. They're going to be looking at you like, <laughs> where was this? when I was 10, you know, right. or I was five or whatever. 
But I'm not saying that people can't change. I'm not saying that at all. I do believe that people can change. But I think the work has to start with you. I love that. And would you say that for the people that are like, okay, I know I need to change. I know I need to kind of do my work. They might not know exactly where to start. Would it be education? Would it be, what? where do they start? Yeah, I think, especially like, I, you know, I get this question a lot from people who live out in the suburbs and they don't, they're not surrounded by any people of color. There's so many online you know, influencers, or um, there's different courses that people could take. But I always point people to books, right? Because not everybody is going to want to go out and, and purchase a course or might not even know which course to, course to purchase or anything like that. But I always try to point people to books because um, there's so many great ones that are out today that can really make you kind of sit and, you know, take your time and you can really just kind of reflect on some of the things that are that are in the book. I'm not saying that it's not going to be triggering because it will, right? Especially if you have a lot of work to do. There might be times when you open up that book and you know you might want to shut it. Like from even the first few pages, you're like, I don't want to do this. I don't believe mm. in this. And if that is how you feel, that means you should pick that book up and continue reading. Right. If that. you're still being triggered, you need to figure out why you're being triggered, keep reading and try to just have some understanding, right? That, that's my biggest thing. It's like all of these years for me, just personally, I have had to learn about U.S. history, not Black history, but just U.S. white history. And I never questioned it. I just did what I was told. I wanted to pass, you know, my class. And I didn't question it. And it was just kind of like, I just did what I, what I thought I needed to do to get by. And I think that we just need to try to see things from an, another person's perspective, you know, whether it be a Black person, an, an Asian person, you know, um, an Indigenous person. And that may be hard, right? Especially if you are a white person and you are used to having things go a certain way all of your life. Mm. It's hard, right? I'm not saying that it, that it won't be, right? but I think the work has to start with you. Yeah. I love that. Well, that is great advice. Thank you so much. I know that you have your very own podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and where they could find you? Yes. So my podcast is called here we read a bookish podcast. It's available on Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, and all the places where you can find podcasts. And then people can find me online over at um, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook, all under the username Here We Read, and as well as my blog, HereWeRead.com. And it's we with two E's, right? That's right. That's what actually got me to remember your handle because I was like looking for it and I'm like, I can't find it. And then I, re I realized that it was W-E-E. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone that's looking for Charnay, uh, it's here, we read with two E's in we. Um, yes. Well, thank you so much, Charnay. This was incredibly um, educational, empowering, and I hope that 
Uh, everyone listening is inspired to make the changes at home for themselves first and also their kids. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. All right. Talk soon. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to bumobrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.